The Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association, in partnership with the Phasic Tipton Sale Company, has established a new concierge service for owners and breeders at racetracks. The purpose is to give them first-class customer service, you know, help them find seating, find great restaurants to eat at, all that good stuff. Concierge business is kind of off to a rough start, though. Seems California Chrome owner Steve Coburn is kind of unhappy because the service couldn't find them a Cracker Barrel in Dubai. <laughs> and welcome to the opening day edition of Lenny's Place. We're chock full of material today. We'll get to the California Chrome blockbuster news in a second. First, I want to note the passing of trainer Alan Jerkins. I didn't know Mr. Jerkins well, although he was kind enough to talk with me every time that I would call him with an interview request. But to see him each morning heading to the racetrack on horseback, that imposing figure under the white hat, you knew it was going to be a good day in New York. There was racing everything was going to be all right. Three days after Alan Jurgens passed, his son Jimmy had the mare classic point in the inside information stakes at Gulfstream. I was fortunate enough to be visiting Florida, and you just couldn't help wondering if some otherworldly power may lend a hand in that race. There was a one-to-five favorite named Mary Meadow. She just won a similar stake by 10 lengths. But this is horse racing, and sometimes Things happen you can't really explain. Well, Classic Point did win the inside information for Jimmy Jerkins, and watching the tears well up in that winner's circle from Jerkins and everybody else who was there, it was enough to make you believe that higher spirits just may have been involved. It was enough to make you believe that racing sometimes can be a really special sport. California Chrome. May lightning and hail strike me, but I'm going to say it. California Chrome is a more popular horse than he is a great horse. Great horses don't lose five out of six races in their prime. Great horses pass other horses in crunch time. They overcome and they win. He's talented. He's a trier. He just isn't great. What he did have was a great underdog story, and even that has been undermined now by his owners, who have proven to be as dumb as they themselves advertised. You don't ask your horse to do things he can't succeed at so you can make money like they did going to the Pennsylvania Derby. And because you want to prove how smart you are, as they're doing now with this Royal Ascot nonsense. Over the past week, we've finally seen some rustling in an attempt to actually get drugs out of the veins of racehorses. The Kentucky Horse Racing Commission which a couple of years ago did try to run some two-year-old stakes LASIK free, has recently approved the regulation allowing Kentucky racetracks to card LASIK free races. Keeneland immediately came on board and said it would do just that for some two-year-old races in 2016. Oh my goodness, get some long beams, let's make sure the sky doesn't fall. Then we have the cavemen at the Kentucky Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association, who oppose anything that would make trainers get off their butts and do something differently. Of course, they oppose running LASIKs free races in 2016 because, 
and I'm not kidding, quote, it could be a precursor to running the 2015 Breeders' Cup Lasix free. Let me repeat that. They're against running races Lasix free in 2016 because it could be a precursor to running the 2015 Breeders' Cup Lasix free. I wish I was making this stuff up. I am so pleased to be able to welcome Bloodstock agent Donato Lenny to Lenny's place in tandem with trainer Bob Baffert. Donato has at sales helped select, I think you've heard some of these horses, Dortmund, Bayern, Secret Circle, Looking at Lucky, Midnight Lucky, Eden's Moon, Contested, Drill, Opportunity, Executive Privilege, and many, many more. Donato, how's that for an introduction? Is that all right? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You, it looks <laughs> like you practiced that. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty amazing how many good horses no, you've been involved good. with, I'll tell you that. Donato, you have a lot of su success working with Bob Baffert. How long did it take for you and Bob working together to get to the point for you to know exactly what he's looking for and, and for you two to build up the trust that you need to be successful? I think Bob is one of the best at um, picking out um, young talent, um, either it be as a yearling or a two-year-old. So I got the, the privilege to, to work with him, you know, I think maybe I'd say 10 years ago, we, st we started working. Uh, I've known Bobby for maybe 15 years, um, you know, plus 13, 14, 15 years. But, but I think we started together about 10 years ago where we started just working together, looking at horses together. and. Uh, um, you know, his affili affiliation with, with Hill and Dale and John Secure, um, you know, got me a little bit closer to Bob. Um, and then uh, just, you know, having to build a trust with Bob um, where he could trust me and, and I could trust him. And I think that's, you know, it's like it's a relationship where you just have to you know, let your guard down and just trust each other. And, and um, you know, we're just working with him and knowing what he wants, knowing what he wants to train, what he doesn't like to what he can't live with mm -hmm. and what he wants to live with uh -huh. and, and that's more important is knowing what to stay away from um, is, is just as important as, as what you're looking for I mean, you kind of know what you're looking for and that's it's really hard to find and that's why you got to go to every sale and, and look at every horse but you also got to know especially what he doesn't want and uh, yeah. and if you buy him something that he doesn't want you know you'll hear about it <laughs> and um, so I, I think just through a lot of um, you know um, a lot of failed experiences you learn really quick. Well, let me ask you something. A sale like Keeneland September sale with 4,000, 5,000 horses, how many horses will you have whittled that list down to by the time Bob gets to town and, you know, for him to look at? How, how, how many horses will, will be on that list? You know, on, on a daily basis, if we, if we looked at um, 200 horses that you know, 250, 250 horses that we go through the sales rate, probably will make it draw down to about um, 10 horses. A day? Or a day, uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. 10 horses that we've um, selected for him to look at. Um, you know, and, and um, so that's, that's about right. Uh -huh. I mean, that's for him, that's what he wants. Yeah. You know, yeah, and ev yeah. Everybody's different. You, what makes your success so special to me is you're not necessarily buying Colts and Phillies by Tappet. 
Yeah, Dortmund is by Big Brown, who is on his way out of Kentucky at that point. Bayern is mm -hmm. by Awfully Wild, who knows what, what else he's produced as far as being good horses. You've told me you actually keep your catalog closed when you're looking at horses, so you're not concerned with pedigree. What, as far as you can put it into words, what do you look for when, when you're looking at that horse? Uh, when, I guess, you know, when I'm a horse style, Bobby would, you know, going back to Bob, he's always said, you know, just use your instincts, you know, use your gut feeling. They don't care, you know, who they're by, and I don't care about the family, you know, we're not pedigree snobs. Um, just, it doesn't matter, just you gotta find athletic horses that are made sound and are athletic and have class and you know and that's the main thing about you know finding these horses is is you don't have to look at your catalog you don't have to it doesn't matter who it's by all that at the end of the day when, when you go to buy them and he's by Pat Tappet you know out of a good female family that just means he's gonna cost a lot of money <laughs> uh, but you know so the main thing is you can't um, forgive um, forgave forgive uh, athletic horses um, so we try to find horses that are super athletic, that are you know really light on their feet, um, that are, are are correct enough, and you know they're they're just made right and they're sound. They're happy horses and they're classy horses. Like Byron was that way. Uh -huh. He you know he wasn't perfect up front. Um, there's a lot of things about him you change, but but he might, mentally he was a a very sound horse that was happy and and had everything we wanted and, and Dorman was the same way and they both came out of phase at Tipton, Maryland and uh, yeah. so a, a lot of your job is figuring out what you can forgive is, is would you say that that's correct I mean that that's how you buy a horse that somebody else passed on so you're not buying horses for two million dollars you're buying horses for a hundred or two or three hundred thousand dollars yeah you're right um, we there are horses that we look at that you know, f find a reason to want to buy the source as opposed to, I think a lot of times people subconsciously kind of look at a, look for a reason why I shouldn't buy the source. Mm -hmm. And there are no, there's no perfect horse out there. When you look at them, you could, everybody could pick a horse apart. They're, there's, they're never perfect, but you just got to, you know, f trying to realize for you what's more important than anything else. Some people, it's pedigree. They just, they won't mm -hmm. buy a horse with no pedigree. And I, I, you know, I respect that, but to the day when they run, they run on, on if they're athletic or not, if, if they've got the class or not. Right, right. You never know where they're going to come from. Well, you know. speaking of running, we've got Dortmund running this coming Saturday in the Santa Anita Derby. He's done nothing wrong this year. Tell me what scared others off of him. You bought him for $140,000. What did you like about him? He caught my eye when he would just come to the racetrack and, and you know, gallop on the racetrack and and he had looked like he wanted to train he liked his job he wanted to be on the racetrack he enjoyed being there and and then you know the breeze show he worked he his breeze was great and his gallop out was really good and then he came back from his from his breeze um and he you know cooled out fine and he was you know he came the next day with sound you know every day you go look at him and every day his weight was good he never lost weight um, a lot of really nervous horses after they breeze will start losing a lot of weight. I think, you know, the, the price on the horse, I think, um, obviously, Brig Brown kind of scared some people off. And, um, you know, and, and probably he didn't have the, the you know, he, there were some 
things about his vetting that weren't perfect. Um, but you know, go, going back to you know, a, you got to assemble a team of people around you that really help you out throughout your day. And that is, you know, I've got two really good assistants, Catherine Hudson and, and Rita Rosselli, who who work with me at the sales and uh, who have to put up with with me at the sales. <laughs> and that's not easy to do. But um, Dr. Bill Baker, who's a, who's a vet, mm -hmm. and he's, you know. I, I wouldn't use anybody else but him. And there's a lot of things like he, a lot of vets will fail a certain horses, and he's passed a lot of horses that a lot of vets have failed. Yeah. Like Looking Unlucky was one that every, a lot of people have failed. Um, it was just like baby stuff. It was nothing major, but he was okay with it. And, and Dorman, um, there were some things about him that um, immaturity stuff that a lot of vets kind of, you know, didn't pass him. And, and he passed him, and so that's how I, think those, I think those are two reasons why he didn't bring more money than that. But which is fine. It's, it's nice to buy one for that. You never know what they're going to bring. Uh, the good ones, you just, you just got to try to buy them. Uh, you've, you've probably made Big Brown Stallion career in New York, I'll tell you that. Do you, uh, yearlings, where you're kind of doing the guesswork into the future versus two-year-old sales where you actually see them breeze on the track, do you have a preference? Is one easier than the other as far as picking out good horses? Um, I mean, the yearling sales, you know, you look at like the September sales, there's just a lot more to look at. Um, I, I, I do prefer the two-year-old sales, to be honest with you, Lenny. It's, 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 a, um, it's a thinking, more of a thinking game in the two-year-old sales. There's a lot more, um, there's a lot more things you got to do, um, you know, there's spend more time looking at the horse. Uh, as a yearling, you just, you're judging him on the shank. You're watching him walk down and back, and stand still. And there's not much you can do. Mm -hmm. um, but at the two-year-old sales, you, know, you just get to see him gallop. You get to see him work. Yeah. You get to see how they behave going to the track, coming off the racetrack. And that's where it's at. That's where they do all their running is on the racetrack. And so you get to see that side of them. Yeah. For you to pick out these horses by stallions like Eddington, Big Brown, and Offley while you're doing something right. You're a great bloodstock agent, you're a great friend, and you're a great trainer of uh, dogs as well as horses. <laughs> I love your dogs. Want to thank the Nada Lanny for dropping by Lenny's place today. Want to thank our friends at Hillendale Stallions, and of course you viewers. Drop by April 14th for the next Lenny's Place. We'll see you then, everybody.